You're listening to R&D and the QC with Tariq Bakari and Larkin Eggleston. Episode 9, Legislative Agenda, a live ride on the Blue Line Extension and Mayor Pro Tem Julie Eiselt? Welcome to Episode 9 of R&D and the QC. Hopefully, next week we will break through to double digits. They still haven't canceled us oh, yet. One, oh, oh, one, oh. Are you exhausted as I am right now? I am. It has, as, as Mondays oh. have, have tended to be the last three months, uh, a very long day. We started off at 9 a.m. this morning. Well, we started off before the that. The crack of nine. But it, <laughs> we started off well before nine. But we got on our first bus to go somewhere at nine. Ooh, yes. After getting to the government center well before that uh, and went up. And, and you'll get to hear in the second segment. We did a little bit of an, another live. Well, it wasn't live because it was recorded and it played was later. Live <laughs> for, for later playing. I think everything is recorded live. You weren't really uh, too into it. I kind of had to force you. I was super into the fact that we were riding the blue line for the first time. I was a little hesitant about taping a radio show in front of in like front fifty of, people oh, on a train. Well, a lot more than that, but but we have to bring our listeners into the scene, Larkin, with us at that moment. There was so much chatter on the train; it ended up not being awkward at all. And we did record uh, segment two on the train, so you'll get to hear a little of that commentary. Pretty off the cuff, I guess. All of our stuff is pretty off the cuff. True, but. Uh, and in segment three, we've got Mayor Pro Tem Julie Eisel, who's going to talk about one of the big things we tackled in our council uh, business meeting tonight. But we'll, let's tackle a couple of the small items in a little lightning round here first, and then Damn. get on to the the fr- live remote, recorded remote from the Blue Line ride, and then our conversation Before we with jump Julie. into tonight's council meeting with our lightning round, um, I think it's important to note... What an insane week or two we are in the middle of right now. So you mentioned Blue Line extension launch today. Billy Graham, I mean, President Bush was, Bush here. was here today. W. Bush was here today. Apparently President Clinton will be here tomorrow. And then uh, several, uh, the current potentially, and several living past presidents will be here on Friday for his uh Funeral, and we've just kicked off today the CIAA tournament, which brings in over a hundred thousand people. So, I mean, this is like uh, and so it's, it, like a, a perfect storm of like allow for a little of, extra time wherever yeah, you're going this week. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so so right, tonight's so business I'm, meeting. Yeah, tonight's business meeting. So I'll start. Um, if you recall, I think we talked about it a while back. I don't even remember anymore. Um, uh, I had uh, worked in our first business meeting when I identified the IT um, data center. Uh, lease extension, where I had some real big concerns and they pulled it. My concerns were basically that um, I didn't really see a crisp, clear strategy on our cloud infrastructure strategy versus on-prem, which this is on-prem is where you manage your own servers and infrastructure versus going into a cloud environment like most uh, companies are doing in the private sector right now, as well as our cybersecurity posture, looking at the county breach, other items like that. I just Felt like we were backing ourselves into a corner. So good news on this story. Long story short, we worked for the last two months. Jeff Stovall, the CIO, and others. That's a great team. The chief security officer was very impressive. And ultimately, we approved tonight the extension of that lease because we still haven't solved, um, in my opinion, uh, where we need to ultimately go with some some deeper um, cloud migration strategies and a next-level cybersecurity but we did structure this contract in a way where in 2021 we had the option to extend 
and we have better terms for what we approve tonight. But if we don't, nothing changes. So I, I hope, think that was a good compromise. I hope you covered every point you wanted in that because I have nothing to add and understand <laughs> only about 20% of what you just said. Don't you like clouds? Uh, I do, but I, I feel like you're talking about figurative ones. Yes. Um, what else? So, you know, not we don't all have to be experts on everything, and I'm not an expert on that. And you are, Dude, and I'm, I'm glad that you are. How exciting. Like, f- first of all, it's a lot. Your t- items are a lot better for the podcast than mine. This week, I talk about cloud infrastructure and cybersecurity migration strategies. And last week, you talk about We're losing, wine. We're losing listeners by the word. <laughs> you get to talk. Your expertise is uh, the uh, beverage industry. And, and again, and everyone loves reuse. that. And adaptive reuse of other things. So... While, while mine are nerdy, um, yours are mm-hmm. not. That's great. I apologize to all of our listeners for the last uh, three minutes of tech jargon. I bet you there's some out there that liked it. I know who you are, and that was for you. So what else happened Tell tonight? your friends on your ham Fine. radio to listen to our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's all it's two of good. you. <laughs> I hate you, man. I hate you. Uh, we're going to do a whole episode on ham radio just to oh. excite Tark. Oh, um, one of the other things we talked about. Ham radio is pretty sweet. I, I gather that it is. I, you I know, know what else is sweet? Doppler ham. radar. Oh, I thought you were going to say actual ham. And ham. I like ham. I also like Doppler radar. That was <laughs> one that, So that leads into our, our discussion about we, we're setting our agendas for our delegations in Raleigh and our delegations in D.C., uh, and that's something that we vet as a council and, and kind of charge our lobbyists with going and advocating for. And so we talked both about our state and federal Agendas today. So we met with the lobbyist in person this afternoon, and then we had two presentations on it today. Yeah, and one of the, so the the Doppler radar reference was um, Senator U.S. Senator Richard Burr and, and United States Representative uh, Robert Pittenger have both been pushing for Charlotte to get a Doppler radar system. We are, as I, as I understand it, the largest metropolitan area in the country that does not have one within like 90 miles or something. And so it has in the past rendered us somewhat helpless when I believe it was a almost just kind of appeared out of nowhere there was a tornado. And we didn't really have any forewarning for it because we don't have as robust a weather tracking systems as some of the other major metropolitan areas. It kind of caught us off guard. So that's the type of thing that we can avoid by um, building up a more robust system and, and having a Doppler radar in our general vicinity, not using ones that are kind of triangulating off of other large um, systems from far, far away. What kind of sounds do those things make? I don't think they actually make any sounds. I think that's just uh, in movies. No? No, I think that's just that's movies. You're thinking of like Red Dawn Red or something. Dawn. Yeah. <laughs> the submarine one, dude. Some sort of battleship yeah. movie. Yeah. Um, This is different than that, I think. Got it. So, uh, regardless, we need that. Clearly, the level of deliriousness is starting to affect us. You know, the thing that jumped out at me in looking at that, and I mentioned it tonight, was, so there was five items on our list. And three of them were, like the Doppler and a couple others, were things that were carryover, had been working on, just continuing forward. And there were two new things. And those two new things were affordable housing and infrastructure. And I think the thing we all kind of immediately got back in, in a little bit of back and forth discussion is everybody in the entire United States has that on the top of their uh, lobbying agenda. And we know from the federal government that there's limited support and a different kind of program that's coming out of that than we've seen in the past. So, I mean, I made the argument of, you know, and I think this is one of the reasons among several others uh, that other council members brought up. Um, was why we kind of tabled it to say, let's work on it a little bit more before we approve this this uh, legislative agenda. Because I would argue that a couple topics that we've dropped deep into in the last couple weeks, 
fintech and technology-related jobs and economic development on one side, and then cybersecurity. We have a strong argument to be made in our city, in our region, for why that's an asset today and something that is in our value prop that we can drive forward. And two, how many people have those two on the top of their legislative agenda? We could actually go maybe pick some lower-hanging fruit uh, and, and accomplish a few things because, as Mayor Lyle said today, um, and, and, you know, this is how she framed it. I'm, I'm learning as I go along. It's less about here's the things we need. How can you help us? And it's more about what are the things you have that we can take back? So if that's the case, we know they have things. Robert Pittenger, our congressman, works tirelessly on cybersecurity related issues. And we know McHenry and others have been uh, creating a lot of uh, fintech related uh, bills that they've introduced in the last couple of years. So we know there's stuff there. Also hardworking, my congresswoman, Alma Adams. But Robert Pittenger, we know, works harder, Larkin. It's just a proven fact. He knocked on my door several times. <laughs> probably to complain about something you were doing. But um, that's neither here nor there. One of the things that was brought up was was that we also needed to be more specific. Um, and I think there's some validity to that, too. It's easy to say, we hope that you'll support us in pursuing affordable housing. Well, that's kind of a no-brainer that we'd say that, and it's kind of a no-brainer that they'd say, oh, yeah, we support you. But what does that mean? I mean, what what's something tangible that we're saying, you know, what fund do they have? What grant do they have? Is it to say, uh, so that we can do uh, these type of programs and these type of, of infrastructure projects we need these community development block grants or what i mean it's got to be more specific because a generic ask is going to get a generic response and um a specific ask you know that's where you can start negotiating so i again i think her her point is valid too it's it's not so much us just grabbing at anything that we want but it's saying what programs are out there um, what grants are available and how do how can we use those to to improve Charlotte? But I think that agenda will be interesting to see going forward. Some of our uh, colleagues, yourself included, are going to be lobbying in a couple of weeks. And um, yeah, I'm I'm on the schedule. Uh, I think March 8th or 9th to go up to Raleigh and um, testify in front of the Joint IT Appropriations Committee about some things we're doing in the fintech world, but also some things we. Uh, need to champion locally here, and then um, and then like you said, what's the date? It's like March. A week later. A week later, we're going up to D.C. Uh, to uh, to uh, do some lobbying with our uh, na- uh, federal delegation. So, um, so we'll have some reports back after that. And um, you look tired, dude. I'm beat, man. It is it is late. And uh, with that, you know what? Let's go ahead and wrap up segment one. We've got two great segments later. Uh, segment two. It was early this morning. We just had coffee. We were, you know, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. We're going to sound a lot more intelligent in segment two because we record this thing out of order. This is the last one we're recording, and so we have. And then the final piece lost all of our faculty. Again, uh, we'll, we'll talk with Mayor Pro Tem Julie Eisold about it. But I mean, I I was moved tonight to see all of our officers dressed in their dre- dress blues. We can say that this time, right? Is that the correct answer? Fancy I messed that up last suits. time. In their fancy police suits. It was <laughs> impressive, dude. And I was awe-inspired to the point of, uh, and we'll talk more about stick that Stick around later. for segment three look, to hear that, but stick around but for two, segment two. But segment two, you know what time it is? It's time that... Uh, to welcome the Quad City DJs. To ride that train, my friend. We'll be right back. All right, welcome back to R&D in the QC, ladies and gentlemen. We are live. Larkin, how do you feel right now? I'm 
think we were going to do this. Yes, and we got Braxton right next to us. Hey, Braxton. Smooth sailing, baby. We are right now on the inaugural trip of the Blue Line Extension. I can hardly believe it. Marcus Jones is here with us. Marcus, say hi to the podcast. Hello, podcast. That's it. That's our only Marcus Jones cameo on the show today. So let me start with you, Larkin. How does this feel right now to be, uh, you know, an inaugural run? I'm, I'm pretty pumped. This is maybe the uh, the single most exciting thing that we're going to be able to christen this year, and I'm excited to be a part of it. And glad that that it's running through District One to get to Popcorn Fifth's District Four. That's right. Uh, it's going to be transformative for uh, for this part of Charlotte. So, uh, any anybody jump out at you in their words? Anything specific? We just heard a bunch of speakers. We saw a whole line of former mayors, state representatives, all kinds of stuff. Anything jump out at you? Yes, yeah, it's, it's a pretty amazing crowd, and when you think about um, Braxton and I kind of laughed when they said about when they first started thinking about this project how long ago it was, but it does show how many iterations of city council and how many mayors were involved in the planning and, and implementation of this. It's it's pretty wild to see how long a project like this can take, but uh, I think well worth it once it's done. Braxton, what what I mean, you know. What do you think about all this and, and, and what it means for a lot of the things we've been talking about, workforce development, connecting the university, jobs, everything? Well, I think all that is good, but what I really take about today, this event, this, this ceremony, um, this is the way government is supposed to work. It's not about politics, but it's about doing things for the greater good of the people. And what you had under there, um, we live in North Carolina, let's not, let's not miss words. We live in very divisive political times, but you saw some um, um, Republicans, Democrats, all, all types of people from the city, the region, uh, the state, and, and, and even federally. Uh, all the resources that it took over time, over those 20 years that uh, Larkin talked about, to do something for the good of the people. And that's what I think today is really about. And it was an amazing um, event to be part of under that tent. So let me just ask the one question, maybe a little R&D-ish, but funding is in jeopardy for where we're going with this in the future we've got a lot of other infrastructure and roads problems i mean do we need to start thinking about that right now yeah we've got to figure out a new kind of financial formula to make this work because we're not going to get as much of a contribution from the federal government as we've we have in previous uh projects so we've got to figure out a new formula how we're going to make it work i think we'll find a way is any cost worth it is any cost worth it or is there a point in time where we've got to significantly look at our priorities it's always a tipping point but i think these are the type of projects that we can scale as the city continues to grow in a way that we we can't effectively do with roads. And I, uh, you, like you mentioned, you know, we know that we're in a different ballgame when it comes to federal um, um, con- contributions to projects like this. But again, as you can see, that this is very important as a state. And it, 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 we as a state know that as we continue to grow, look, we're about to be the first North Carolina city uh, to have a million people. We've got to deal with issues that we've never had to deal with before. And I think people from the rural parts of town, east, west, urban centers like Charlotte, are recognizing for the good of North Carolina, we got to find a way to make these transportation infrastructure projects happen in the future. I think no matter what your take is and, and the challenges that are there, sitting on this train right now, Going through this part of town is pretty dang cool, right? I will also say, uh, talking about the, the the interesting group of leadership that's here from all different generations of, of Charlotte politics, yeah. um, I, I will mention that the governor Pat came over to give us uh, to give us well wishes for for being newly elected, uh, but then also had to humble brag that he was actually even younger than we are when he first got on council. So he wanted to make sure that we didn't think we were the the first young people to ever be elected, and he pointed out that he was 32. Uh, when he was first elected, I don't think he was better looking though. 
Uh, not the me, definitely. But uh, it, it, you guys it, it, maybe it, it, suffered debate. He probably wasn't uh, like like our friend Braxton here. Probably was not on the uh, just just the lust list. Real, <laughs> real quick, just tell tell the folks uh, in our final piece here where we are. What part of town are we in right now? So we have just left the university area. We were headed south on North Tryon. That's a kind of confusing we're, sounding. We're, yeah. and, we're, and we're headed into uh, out of District Four and into my district. District One is as soon as we cross Eastway, we'll be in District One. But we're in the middle of North. Tryon right now uh, near Ikea Boulevard. Who's on the train with us right now? Look around. Who do you see? Every person who's ever been elected in Mecklenburg County. (laughs) Give me some names. I see Phipps. I see the mayor. Harvey Gantt. Mayor Pro Tem. Harvey Gantt. Mayor Driggs. We've got got every uh, one of them. Secretary Fox was not able to be here. We have got almost every living mayor of Charlotte on David here. Howard. Is there any risk to this? Us all being on one train? Yes. I think Secretary Fox, as he was once in Washington, maybe was the designated survivor. That's why he's not here today. Final thoughts before we wrap this segment up. I'm pumped. March 16th. Make sure you get out and ride it on March 16th. There'll be a lot of events going on at the different stops. Ribbon cuttings there, public grand openings. First day of the NCAA tournament in town, and you'll be able to ride into town on the Blue Line extension. So go check it out. Braxton? I mean, this is great. This is the future of Charlotte right here, right now. I'm glad to be part of it. All right, guys. Well, we'll be right back. One of our favorite colleagues up here tonight joining us. A new friend of the pod. Now, a new friend of the say. pod. Although we have gotten some grief from from some of you listeners that we're appropriating Pod Save America's friend of the pod um, tagline. I, I guess. steal nothing from Pod we, Save America. We borrow nothing. We're, we're borrowing it, and we do give credit to Pod Save America. Mm-hmm. So uh, please don't be mad at us. We anyway. We, welcome to the show. Until you think of us help of another thing to call our guests, <laughs> we're sticking with friend of the pod. Mayor Pro Tem Julie Eiselt has joined us. And we are so glad to have you on. So welcome. Thank you. Excited to be here. This is a big deal for wow, you. I know. It How is, exciting. It is. You know, you I, I just, it just uh, dawned on me again. We actually knew each other from way back in the day mm-hmm. when you started on your public service mission, starting Neighbors for Safer Charlotte. Yeah, that, that was that's an right. incredible time of that's right. you, know, you went through a bit of an experience yourself that kind of yeah. jarred you into uh, not just kind of you know standing on the sidelines anymore, but getting yeah, involved. Yeah, I say it. it, it Burst me out of my bubble, and it was the best thing that ultimately to happen to me. Was, yeah, that, that was some, some great work there. So speaking of, of that note of you know public safety and everything, mm-hmm. uh, tonight we had a, uh, a really uh, impressive turnout of uh, op men and women, uh, officers and CMPD. Mm-hmm. You know, what, what was your gut reaction uh, just when you first saw them and then when, when you hear a few, few of their um, uh, sentiments uh, in the public forum? Well, as you uh, as you pointed out, Tark, it's always a really impressive sight to be mm. sitting behind the dais and to see all of our officers there in blue. We had that a, a couple of weeks ago with our our fire personnel, and it is really quite moving. Uh, these are people that put themselves in the line of danger every day um, to to serve the community. We owe them a huge debt of gratitude, um, and we're just grateful that they've chosen careers as as first responders. Yeah. It was interesting. It was obviously you couldn't help but think of the similarities between that and the display we saw from the fire department, I guess now two weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. two weeks ago. And so, um, but they were there for different reasons. I actually it kind of mm-hmm. joked with Chief Putney as I walked in. I said, are you guys having a competition with the fire department to see who can get the most folks here at a council meeting? 
Uh, and maybe that kind of stuff happens more frequently than I realized. But um, for us, two times in three weeks, we saw these huge displays from our main first responders. They were there for very different reasons. I mean, one of the, the, the fire department was essentially coming to tell us, hey, no department's perfect, but but we're all happy and morale is, is generally good. And, um, and, and we're ha- we, we love the department we work for and we wouldn't want to be anywhere else. So that wasn't necessarily the message. Yeah, there were two, there were two different messages. One was one of, of some of the news stories and the negatives that had been coming out in the fire department. This was very different in some very specifics around um, officer retention and officer recruitment. But I mean, the first question I have for you, Julie, is um, so now we've seen two um, very positive, I would say, uh, messages and usages and shows of forces where likely we wouldn't have seen them come out if we weren't televising the public forum and live streaming it. I know there are bad examples that are coming that will we'll all be kind of like, ah, that was a tough one. But you have to agree that those were pretty good ones, right, for our public to be able to see those groups come out in force. Oh, sure. No, I, I think it, you know, it always is good for people to see that. Yeah. So what were your thoughts on, I mean, again, the, the police and the fire, I think it was different different narratives. The fire was saying, We've got we've got our problems. Every department does, but generally morale is good, and we love where we work, and we wouldn't want to be anywhere else. And then our officers tonight said, you know, we love the work we do, and we love the, the people we work with, but we don't feel like everything's great. We don't feel like morale is, is as high as it has been or could be. Um, and we've got some very specific asks of council and of the city to say, here is how we can better compensate our, our police officers. And so. Obviously, we're going to have to run the numbers and, and have presented to us what each of these items would cost and, and where do we have to cut from our budget. But um, is this something that's been ongoing before this council where the, these issues have come up and, and how have they been dealt with in the yeah. past? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we've been talking about this for a while. And when we, you know, we ask Chief, what can we do to help him with retention? But, you know, ultimately, they, the police officers report to Chief. The chief is hired by the city manager and who reports to us. So there is a chain of communication in addition to a chain of command. So it, it, while it certainly um, is worthwhile for them to come down and communicate with us what their ask is, at the same time, the ask has to come from the, ch- the chief of police. That's his job, is to manage his department, and ultimately when you're when you're asking for more officers and asking for more pay, I think he understands that there's a choice he's going to have to make. Is what what is it that he needs right now, and how is he going to accomplish that? So, at the end of the day, he's going to need to come to us and say, right now I need more pay, or right now I I want a, a mix of pay for some officers and hiring other officers. So whatever that mix is, he understands that that's, you know, that's the reality of it. And then ultimately, I think that we need to have our city manager come up with a number, just aspirational, but what would it look like to take 1,800 police officers and increase their pay by 15%, which is what they're asking for, plus reinstating certain health care benefits which frankly we'd all like because healthcare has gone through the roof for everyone. Um, retirement pay, you know, if you really, I'm a big believer, let's get it all out on the table now and see what we're really talking about. And I remember years ago when we were talking about public safety, 10 years ago, and we were making some demands of the city council, Representative Andy Doolin handed me the budget and said, great, find out where it's gonna come from, here you go. 
that's pretty sobering exercise, right? To pick through that and say, where am I going to find $10 million? I've been from? waiting for someone to tell me that. Yeah, no, you're right. <laughs> and I think it's a very good exercise yeah. because we need that seven-digit number. And then the question is, where are we going to take it from? Because we, by state statute, we balance our budget every year. So there isn't you know, a pot of money. And this is operating cash. It's not the same as capital that if we decide to build something, that's a one-time expense versus operating. Yeah. But we've got to find it in the budget every single year. But clearly, year. I think, especially with your background in, with Neighbors for Safer Charlotte, I have to believe you that you, this falls at somewhere near the top of your priority list of making sure that... You know, like you said, I don't think it's mutually exclusive between higher pay and um, the, you know, the the things they need to go uh, recruit new officers. Because if you look at 2017 stats, which we heard tonight, 114 new officers hired, 120 left us either through retirement or going to to another uh, another uh, department. So, I mean, it's that was one of the things that struck me tonight was that council clearly had the intent to to better staff our, our police department, and yet they, we've got these new jobs that have been authorized, but they can't be filled yet. So that was one so, of the big things that stuck out to me. I agree with that, but I think the question right now needs to be, Chief, what do you want and how do you answer these questions? And that's that's what our job is right now. You know, it isn't, you really can't, I mean, at the end of the day, these are employees, right? Yeah. And we can't have the employees coming and telling us what their pay should be. Ultimately, yes, I mean, absolutely, we want to retain them. But ultimately, I mean, I think we have the best police chief in the country. And if I believe that, then I also believe then that he knows what he needs in the department and he needs to come to us and tell us. And if he can't manage the department and if he can't keep people because people are saying our chief isn't listening to us, that's a different conversation. And I don't think anyone's saying that. But I, I, I you know, to that point, I don't disagree with you. I, I, but guess what? When he comes back, we're all going to be a lot paying a lot more attention after what we saw tonight, even if nothing more. Well, but this it, isn't know, the first just, time that's happened. This right. is not. And, it but, happens. But nothing, it happened last year. And and I think the argument they made uh, behind the podium tonight was we came and asked for the same things last year, and we're still in the same situation, basically. So the question again to Chief Putney is, can you respond to that? And yeah. those that's what we need to be asking yeah. first. Yeah. Well, and to your point, you know, you mentioned healthcare, and I'm thinking back the company I've worked for for almost a decade now. Our healthcare has has progressively gotten, um, I'll I'll just say, well, I'll just say worse. I mean, it's it's gotten worse because <laughs> I don't know anyone's who's gotten better. <laughs> right. The cost for our company has gone up, and so they've been very transparent in saying, look, this is what it's costing us. We know that it's. It's less desirable plan than you used to have, but even despite that, the company's still putting out more money to pay for it. So I, I think that is just a, a national trend. Yeah. And, and so some of these things, I mean, again, it was a whole a la carte menu of things that they'd like. And in some of them, you, you probably just end up going, that's not doable. We, we wish it was, and every company um, and corporation in this, in this country wishes it was, but maybe that's not doable. Others, you know, they're asking for a 15% pay increase, Maybe there's some wiggle room in the middle where we, we do find pay increase yeah, opportunities, and it's not that. Let's so. also, so, so last year when they came to us and asked us this, the fire department did come and say, hang on, we need that too. It's right? an annual thing that's just, uh, they, they rotate right. back and forth. And and goes every first. floor of the government center well, just marches no, up to 15. But their point was that their health care is more costly because they're exposed to carcinogenic 
chemicals. Mm. They wear heavier equipment. I'm not. This is just what their argument is. So that they deserve more healthcare benefits than the police officers do. And so that's you know that's what you have to be prepared for is that that's what's going to come back. Yeah, and for me, I mean, as I was analyzing it over the last week or two, just looking into it, um, you know, I brought it up at the budget committee meeting this week uh, or last week because I, I, I again, it's not about hey, we're blindly going to support a blank check for whatever it is. I've worded carefully my statements of I really believe in this. This was one of the top items why I ran for office ultimately and campaigned on. And we need to give a long, hard look, like I said tonight, at what the implications of going to a seven-tier, seven-step pay structure with 5% each, a 15% raise across the board, and restoring retirement health care benefits to 09 levels. Not we need to blindly support it, but I've yet to yeah. even see those numbers come out. So I've been careful in my wording yeah. every time. But I also, you know, this is our opportunity to get behind a group of people that to be quite honest, we don't give a lot of airtime. We talk a lot about other important issues, affordable housing, gentrification, things that are critical. This is part of that. Well, but I, I disagree that we don't give that airtime. So for the past two budget cycles, two years ago, the request was, I need 125 police, police officers. That's a request that goes back to our days with Neighbors for a Safer Charlotte. Mm-hmm. 10 years. For 10 years, the council was not making that move because we went into a recession then the city's trying to get out of the recession and and still catch up so so i would tell you that that was the number one issue for the past two budget cycles was i remember two years ago chief said well i need 125 but i'm only going to ask for 50 a year at the time with the former city manager that's what he was told to ask for and I said, Chief, you ask for what you need. Ask what you need, right. and I believe this council will get behind you. And we got behind him both times unanimously. So we've we have we have supported the police chief unanimously on those requests. And I would say it was it what it has been at least my time on council. It has been the number one issue that we've gotten behind. And we worked hard to do it without a tax increase. That was really hard to do. Sure. We had to find it other places. We have to do that. I mean, literally, I won't be in support of it if it comes with the tax yeah. increase. Well, then you're we going to have to really dig into some numbers because I Absolutely. can tell you that, that that money is not sitting out not, there. Not, not easy to find. Well, and that's one thing <laughs> that I think maybe it, it touches on anything we ever talk about is it's easy to just look. Um, and, you know, admittedly, we probably all did this when we were on the outside or the other side of the dais. It's easy to look at a, a line item in the budget and if – any given council member doesn't support an increase in that, you go, well, that council member doesn't support cycling or that council member doesn't support walkability right. or, or whatever it is. But it's about the priority step. But the fact of the matter right. is that, yeah, you, it, it is a bit of a zero-sum game. You do have to say, if it mm-hmm. if we increase here, what do we decrease? It's every bit a zero-sum game. <laughs> and so, so it is easy yeah. to say, you know, well, that somebody doesn't support police or bicycles or whatever it is, but we support all those things. I mean, I think we we wish we could do everything yeah. we want to do in el- every budget line item. Yeah. Um, but the reality is that without a tax increase, which voters will overwhelmingly um, be upset with if we were to go that route, we we have to say we, we can't do everything to the fullest extent that we want to do to it. Um, and that certainly doesn't make any of us against any of those things. We, I, I don't think there's a person behind the dais that doesn't support and applaud and appreciate the work that uh, our police department or our fire department well, do. I, I have said since the day I started campaigning was that we can invest whatever we want in this city, but if the perception is that people aren't safe, 
they're not going to want to visit here and they're not going to want to stay here. That's right. So I, I completely agree with you. The reality, once you get into the budget, though, it is really, really difficult. And you're, it is a zero-sum game. You know, we've been talking about affordable housing for how long now? Well, the fact of the matter is we can put that money in there from a capital standpoint, but we got to service that debt. So that's general fund. So you're going to have to figure, you know, we are going to have to figure out where that balance comes. And you'll see that in, in the remaining budget workshops that it gets down to, I mean, last year we were talking about $50,000 here and there. It really gets down to nickel and diming and looking under every sofa cushion to find that money. That sounds miserable. <laughs> <laughs> so before we, before we bring that to a wrap, I mean, I, and I do think what it's going to take is, I think Tarek said it, it right from the get-go, or one of you did, let's put it all on paper. Yeah. What do these things cost if you, if you max out and you say, we're going to do everything they asked and then what does it cost us now? And then where do we find, you know, some flexibility in in the middle there? Um, Some things we we might be able to work towards and others we might not, but I, we won't know until we see what that looks like or what the reality of that number is. And I, I'm guessing that number for that full uh, list of recommendations will be quite, quite high. Mm -hmm. So, but we don't, we can't start till we know what it is. Yeah. Um, but, but so I know you, there was one other thing you wanted to mention before yeah. we wrap the show tonight. So, um, we'll we, let you do that. Sure. Thank you. Um, we just don't want to let the opportunity pass to say that we lost a, an employee of the cities today, Ramona Brandt, who is known to many. Um, she was, a on the speaking circuit in the community and she worked in our HR department and she died unexpectedly in her sleep yesterday morning. So, um, we were her family is in our prayers her husband and we are all just a little bit stunned and and sad to hear about Ramona and we will continue to keep her in our prayers and and her family as well absolutely we have a, an amazing team here at the city that that Tark and I are just starting to get to know so we uh, didn't know Ms. Brandt the the way that you and some of the other council members and staff did uh, but I could tell from the emotions that came out of um, yeah. council members and staff today and talking about her, uh, what a special boss. woman she was. So um, we, we really do have an amazing group here, and, and it sounds like, and, and I didn't get the chance to know her, but it sounds like she was um, one of our, our shining stars in this building, and uh, so we're very sad to have lost her. Um, so we hate to end on a sad note, but that is the end of, of Episode 9 of R&D in the QC. Uh, we appreciate you joining us on the show today. Thanks. Um, we hope you'll go tell all your friends My about it. My first podcast. <laughs> your first podcast ever? ever. Oh, that's awesome. So now you have to you have to go explain to uh, all your friends what you did, Yeah. how they can find it, and uh, and help give us the, the ISIL bump on the R&D. ISIL bump. R&D in the Q podcast. Wow. And we track the numbers, so we'll know if you told a bunch oh of new friends gosh. to listen or not. Okay. Um, the pressure's Ooh, on. pressure's on. So... Help Julie out. Make it make it look like she spiked the numbers, even if she doesn't tell her friends. Be the best the best episode they've had. Yet. Exactly by <laughs> by liking our Facebook page, subscribing to the podcast, rating the podcast, and sharing it with your Fitz friends. Fitz has gone to number one in our all time wow. record. What and last that was last week? So. That. Last listens. week by listens, listens. and downloads were a lot. Hundreds five hundred thousand. Five hundred. <laughs> Jeez. Higher than 500. But yeah. that's so we, right. in, in talking to other people in the podcast circuit for episode nine or episode eight, that one was, uh, that is quite Very high. Strong. We've been told. Flip Fum Phipps, man, came strong. Poopery well, Phipps. I come, I come from a Poopery Phipps. <laughs> we'll explain that on next week's podcast. <laughs> so you have to make sure you tune in. For Thanks for listening to RD and the QC. Later. You're listening to RD and the QC with Targ Bakari and Mark and Eggleston. <laughs>